With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Swan check, swan check, swat check, sway check. Okay. Oh, oh, hi everybody. Um, how's it going? Nice to have you in the room, in the house, and on board. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whatever it happens to be. Good if you happen to be Daniel Medvedev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, Igor Swancheck. How do you like that? Or Daniel Collins, certainly good. Not so good, of course, if you are one of their opponents or a fan of theirs. Hello, Snehill, nice to have you on board. Yeah, Gene, nice to see you. Uh, uh, Ross saying sour grapes. I have no idea uh, whether he means something about bitterness or whether he's just chewing on one right now. Or maybe even a wine that's not quite to his liking. Um, Okay, cool. Nice to have you all on board. Uh, Let's get to it. Day 10 of the Australian Open. As we can see straight away, we've got the most recent match and the one that's probably freshest in most of our minds, uh, which is Felix uh, Auger Aliassim. Not bad, the pronunciation there, uh, against Daniil Medvedev, with Medvedev prevailing in five sets. And in many ways, the scoreboard does tell the story. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, often it does. And on this occasion, it does. Uh, By the way, uh, first question for you, the audience, before I go for a deep dive on this question, is I want you to guess where I am. I'll accept countries. I'll also accept cities as well. I am not in my current hometown. I am elsewhere. If I don't see any correct answers, I will be giving clues throughout the show. Um, But as soon as somebody gets it correct, you will be winning. You will be winning my respect, okay, which is worth more than most other things on the planet. So please guess where I am. Somebody's saying Melbourne, uh, Sushant. I wish I was in Melbourne. Uh, Somebody else is saying Serbia. Um, No to both of those. And I will come back to this from time to time. David, that's a really good and smart guess. I like where you're going with that, Seville. Um, But no, I'm not in Seville, and I did live there before. I'm not in Portugal. I'm not in Amsterdam. I'm not in Canada, and I'm not in the UK. I will return to this. Okay, Uh, let's get back to the stats, though. Yes, so Medvedev against Felix today. Tell me what you thought of this match. We're going to be focusing on the four matches from today, and I want you to... um, I want you to think about that. So we're just going to focus on Medvedev uh, Felix right now and fire in your questions. If you've got questions about Felix or Medvedev or this match or their chances or their tournament, definitely get in those questions right now. If you have questions about somebody else who played today, we love those questions too. If it's an exceptional question, we will be touching on it. 
If, however, maybe it's a bit more appropriate for that segment of the show, we'll touch on it then. So, Felix, Daniel, let me know what you think. I'll let you know what I think. I think it's been a very good tournament for Felix, of course. Uh, coming from where he is right now, obviously seeded number nine coming into this tournament. I guess he's getting to the quarterfinals is a step in the right direction for him. Uh, he's won matches you would expect him to win, but he's also done well. Uh, his ATP, ATP Cup as well was very impressive. And he was especially impressive today. Um, I think he's probably, uh, I've seen it from other people as well, saying that's probably the, the most improved player of 2022 thus far, albeit that we're only sort of four weeks into the year. Um, but you could also probably say since the end of last season, end of November, he's the person, I guess, that's kind of surprised us the most in terms of his level. I do think that today probably has a huge influence on that. Um, but yeah, Felix, I, I think the way the match finished, by the way, um, I think we have got a situation with somebody who's a bit younger and sees this as being one chance of many. And I wonder if psychologically, when you're, when this is one of your last chances, you know, and you've got a chance to get back in the match. Monfils is a great example at the other end of his career. Monfils arguably was the Felix of 13 years ago in terms of this huge potential, in terms of the fireworks on court, in terms of the aggressive shots that they play. Um, there's a good comparison there, but the two players at the end of their two careers. And you just wonder if, I just wonder if Felix at the end of the match there could have been a bit more desperate, could have gone for his shots a bit more. Um, maybe I'm being too harsh. He's still a young boy, but I just wonder if, if he's thinking, do you know what? If I win tonight and he was so calm afterwards, there was no dramatic upset, if you like, in the way he reacted. And I just wonder if, if he realised that these chances don't come along all the time and don't come along as often as maybe he hopes. Obviously, we're going to be heading into the clay court season quite soon. Um, probably not his best surface. So it may be Wimbledon before we see him in a, in the latter stage of the tournament. And I just wonder if he didn't, if he missed an opportunity today. And of course, he was two sets to love up. Uh, he, had a, he had a match point as well in the fourth set. Don't forget. Um, Nathan, by the way, saying Felix will win slams. Uh, and not even play close to this level today. Yeah, quite possibly that level could win you a slam uh, for sure. And it could have won that match today. And if you can beat the world number two, potentially the world number one, then um, then that says, suggests that you've got the level to win a grand slam. Uh, Michael, by the way, saying Felix is a lot more offensive than Montfils has ever been in his dream. Maybe. I, I, I think Monfils, you know, is maybe I'm getting confused, Michael. You're right. Maybe I'm confusing flashiness and excitement, perhaps, with um, aggression in terms of uh, for his shots. Uh, Andre there as well. Uh, I agree. He seemed resigned like Zverev. Well, nice that somebody agrees. Uh, Gene, they're saying uh, Felix definitely felt the pressure in the end. I give him credit for pushing the highest seed of the tournament to the wire. Yeah, he definitely deserves credit. Yeah. Did he, did he miss some shots in that fifth set? Um, I was uh, basically watching that uh, at the airport. There's a little clue for you before I, I left um, home this afternoon. Um, I don't know. I, I think Felix had his chances. He had his match point, of course, in the fourth set. He's he a few couple of break points in the fifth, I think, um, at four all, I think it was. Or was it five? No, sorry, at five four, five four down in the last game of the match. He had two, two break points at least. Um, so, yeah, Fatima saying Medvedev, uh, Medi, they're playing determination the last two sets. Absolutely. I just, I don't know. Did Daniel Medvedev, my question to you as an audience is, um, did Daniel Medvedev want it more today? Did he want it more? Did he feel as though he needed it more being the established player? Let me know what you think uh, in the chat on that one. Um, of course, what we did have, though, was an amusing bit after the match. Once uh, Medvedev uh, had um, had sealed his victory and will now play, well, we'll come to who will play in a second. Uh, afterwards, we had his on-court interview uh, where he said, uh, how did, I think Jim Courier said more or less, how did you feel at the end of the sort of second set, two sets to love down? Uh, what, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do to recover from this situation? And uh, Medvedev said, I didn't really know what to do. 
So I told myself, what would Novak do? <laughs> and of course, this was met with a few boos among the crowd. Uh, Medvedev did touch on the fact that he also uses people like Rafa and Roger as inspiration too. And he also said, look, give the guy respect. He won nine grand. He won nine titles here and may win more, of course. But as this guy pointed out, at last, Novak got his booze at the Australian Open that we thought we would he would never get. But finally, he got them. Uh, whether they'll be ringing out again in years to come. Well, I think that very much depends on whether he'll be appearing at the Australian Open in years to come. I did hear some encouraging signs for Novak fans that uh, Craig Tyler expects him to be back at the Aussie Open next year. Let's see how that pans out. Uh, let's go back to the chat and see if you've got any questions that I'd like to address regarding this match. Um, yeah, he's the highest seed, not the top seed. That's correct. Uh, I guess you're right without Novak's abs absence. Medvedev's game is very similar to Novak. Gene points out, I guess, in terms of the way they get balls back, particularly returns. I think Novak's return comes with a bit more venom. But I do think the ace count against, if you're getting an ace against Medvedev, you're working really hard. Um, so f f uh, hats off to Felix today, uh, with 18 aces. Uh, that's certainly well earned. Uh, and Michael saying, no, anyone could have won this match at match point down. Medvedev served a huge serve. Nothing Felix could have done. Yeah. I think probably Michael's, um, suggesting that, that Felix didn't bottle it. We'll, we'll never know. I mean, it's an impossible question to answer. My, my feeling is just that perhaps, uh, it wasn't a case of of, of being nervous or, or bottling it. I just think that sometimes younger players can be, sometimes can be a little bit, you know what, it doesn't matter if I win today or not because there'll be others, which, by the way, can be an advantage and sometimes it can be a disadvantage. Um, do you think Stefanos has an advantage because he only played three sets, even though Medi said he's not tired? Gala, Gala that's a great question. Um if Medvedev had played, let's say, three grueling matches, whether there be four or five sets, whether he'd had some tough, tight tiebreakers, but also remember those points against Cressy are probably not super long points. They're not exactly, he's not going in a rally against Cressy so often. So in answer to your question, I think no. Medvedev's age as well is fine. I think if we were seeing signs of it as well, that would be a difference. But no, don't forget as well, that match will be at the e in the evening, uh, Australia time. So I think all for all of those reasons, I don't think it will be a factor. If it is a factor, it'll be maybe during a potential fifth set. So we'll address that when it comes to it. We have seen, of course, Medvedev struggle a little bit in the past. I think it was, um, was it Miami last year where he was really cramping up during a match and he actually won the match, even though he could barely move uh, at various points. Uh, anyway, so George, they're going for a Berrettini sits a pass final. That's, um, that's a really interesting, uh, prediction there. And we'll be coming to that shortly. No doubt. Uh, still looking for some guesses by the way, as to where I am. I, I saw London. No Maldives. No Bahamas, Barbados. No. So keep coming with those and I will address them. If I see it in the live chat, I will immediately, if, if I see it in the live chat, assume that you've got it wrong, put it that way. But if I see you've got it right, uh, you will certainly know. Here's clue number two, by the way. I'm having a beer and it's called Arani Azchok. Arani Azchok. Melbourne, no. Uh, Dubai, no. Uh, so keep coming with those. And if I, Portugal, no, Lisbon, no. If I, if I see it in the live chat, I will immediately be giving you all of my respect and saying, well done to you. And uh, we'll probably put your name up on the bottom of the screen. So, you know, what more could you want, really? Okay. So Medvedev prevails uh, in a five-set thriller. I mean, we had three of the four... Um, semi-finals that went to five sets unbelievably with the Nadal match of course with the dramatic um, Monfils against uh, Berrettini and then this one but there was one match that didn't go to five sets Yannick Sinner against Stefanos Tsitsipas Tsitsipas prevailing in three straight sets let me tell you something it's confession time 
Stefanos Tsitsipas, uh, two months ago, I didn't think he would be playing at the Australian Open. Hang on a second. I can see some correct answers. Must have been my amazing pronunciation. Okay. So the following people, exactly. Philip, well done. There's a few people now getting it. The first person I see, yes, Omar was the first person to get it right, I believe. Philip was very quick to get it afterwards. Andre, unlucky with Czech Republic. But well done to Philip and Omar, who both corrected, correct, uh, correctly predicted Budapest. Just goes to show, maybe my pronunciation is not so bad. Marton Fucevic. Fucevic. There you go. Maybe I should practice my Hungarian. Maybe that should be my next language. Certainly not Polish. Certainly not some of these other languages that I struggle with. Certainly not Croatian, because I get these pronunciations quite badly wrong. Um, cool. How cold is it in Budapest? Uh, let me tell you, Matthew. Hang on. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's a really good question. I was here end of January, 10 years ago, and it was so cold that I was going from one shop to the next just to keep warm. I think it would probably have been around about minus 15, minus 20. It was just insanely cold. Fortunately, right now, it's kind of in the low one, two, three area. So not too bad, let's say that. Uh, and I'm delighted to be here. It's a great city. If you, and you get the chance, definitely visit. Well done to you guys. Let's go back to the tennis. And let's talk about the one quarterfinal that was straight sets which is Tsitsipas Sinner. And let me tell you why I think I got um, many things wrong regarding Tsitsipas. If, if anything, it's a stream of things. First of all, a couple of months ago, I thought he's not playing at the Australian Open. Uh, the elbow injury to me and the surgery suggested he wouldn't be here. Even Tsitsipas, I think, said today that um, he can't believe how quickly he recovered from the injury. Um also, in terms of the, the build-up to the tournament, you know, uh, when he arrived in Australia and he played ATP Cup, didn't play brilliantly. I saw somebody actually very smartly did suggest that his performance against Schwartzman was encouraging, although he lost um, to Schwartzman in the ATP Cup. I don't know. I wasn't so encouraged. I wasn't encouraged by his early performances in, in Melbourne either. And... I could understand many people predicting that he would lose to Fritz. I think ultimately uh, he beat Fritz because his nerve was slight, slightly stronger. I think Fritz kind of lost a couple of opportunities there. And I had him in my predictions, in my, uh, what do you call it, in my quarter, I had him going out to, sit, uh, to Sinner at this stage. And I only had him get into the quarterfinals because I thought his draw wasn't too bad, especially in rounds one, two, and three. So, but I got it wrong. I predicted Sinner would win. Uh, as well. Not with a great deal of confidence, but I thought he would win. Um, I I got it wrong because for me, his performance was Grand Slam winning level. The first set especially, as I said here in a Twitter, uh, self-promotion alert, everybody, I apologize, but I'm doing this as a reminder as much as anything else. City Pass, mightily impress impressive. This is at the end of the first set around that there was a rain delay, I think, at the beginning of the second. Uh, takes the first set against Sinner. Big question, though, as always with Tsitsipas, is that can he maintain that level? Can he be phenomenal, not just over a five-set match, but over a seven-match tournament? Um, if he can, if he re reproduces, for example, if he re reproduces the level that he produced today, and if he reproduces that level in the semi-finals and the final, he not just could, I think he probably wins the Australian Open. That's that's how much I've changed on one performance. Honestly, Sinner didn't play badly in that, especially in the first set. Sinner played pretty well. Sinner was hitting his spots. Sinner, as soon as he was getting a chance, was taking it. But actually... Pass was seizing the opportunity even sooner. And if we have a look at some of the stats from that match, um, we can see here that Pass gets almost double the winners of Sinner. That's partly because Pass was defending so well. But honestly, Pass today was sensational. Of the, of the eight quarter finalists, his performance was the highest. 
We've spoke, spoken about how people progressed through the tournament before. We've talked about Monfils looking good up until a certain stage of the tournament. We've seen other players play well at certain stages, you know. Now, though, we're at the business end of the tournament. I think we can truly say that was a phenomenal performance and definitely his best performance since the French Open of last year. That's for sure. I think I think arguably it's the best performance of his career, but probably this will be put into a bit more context when he comes up against Medvedev. Medvedev will be getting one or two more shots back, but I'm not sure if the Medvedev, Medvedev today, the Medvedev of today cannot live with the sinner as with the Sitsipas of day. Let me know what you think of that in the chat. Um, the, that doesn't mean I think Medvedev Sitsipas will be a Sitsipas win because I have doubts about whether Sitsipas can reproduce that on a consistent basis. But I think he was phenomenal today. Uh, let me know what you think of that in the chat, and I'll come to those questions or points in a minute. Uh, but before I do, we'll just touch upon Sitsipas, what he said afterwards on Twitter. Uh, it's the faith that makes you stronger. The only way you get there is one step at a time. And we've got this nice little montage of images there. Meanwhile, <clears throat> I will take another sip of my Hungarian beer. And then I'll come to your points in the chat to see whether you agree or whether you dis disagree. Um, Eduardo there, Eduardo Alves, suggesting that Medvedev will get beaten easily uh, in the next round. Uh, let's see if that one happens. By S is saying, uh, pass for sure. Uh, Gene, this was the best single match performance, but the highest quality match was uh, Felix Medvedev. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, 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 think, I think what I'm probably trying to say is that the best individual performance of the Australian Open so far that I have seen on the men's or the women's side, this was it. And it was it for a variety of reasons from Sitsipas. First of all, his winners. First of all, he was hitting his spots. First of all, he was he's peaking at the right time. Also, it's a complete surprise. Also, he demolished an opponent who I expect to be at the ATP Tour Finals at the end of the year. Demolished him. This is this is not demolishing somebody who's ranked seventy three in the world in round one. This is not even demolishing you know a Shapovalov in 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 the fourth round or the quarterfinals, if you like. This is this is somebody who will probably win a Grand Slam one day, and and he just honestly, I, I I've not I've not seen that level from Sitsipas at probably this stage of a hard court slam before. Let me know what you think of that in the chat. St uh, stay saying that Sinner looked like an old man. Well, if he's looking old at this age, then I hate to think what he'll be looking like in about a decade or so. Um, Gene suggesting that Sitsipas has a more offensive game. Uh, Sitsipas, uh, uh, going forward, maybe play Medal. Gary there, just late got here. Sitsipas is everything a tennis player should be when he's on his game. So fluid and just a classic player. Yeah, when Sitsipas burst on the scene in 2019, uh, when he beat Federer uh, that year, it was kind of a, a thought process for many of us that this could be the handing over of the crown in so many ways, in so many ways that they play the match, in that they're, they, they're so stylish, uh, etc. Um, but also in terms of the fact that we were seeing maybe the next world number one. Sitsipas hasn't quite clicked since since then, but we'll see how it goes. Sissi last played Medvedev after five sets with Nadal. Does this level the playing field, it being the opposite way around? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, right. That's right. A year ago. Very good point. A year ago, um, when we had um, Medvedev, of course, emerging comfortably and getting to the semifinals of the Australian Open, um, uh, at least in the previous round, and then Sitsipas just coming through incredibly. Yeah, maybe. I just think that Medvedev's level at that time was was still higher than Sitsipas's. I think that if you include that quarterfinal performance that, that Sitsipas had against Nadal, but then you see how well uh, Sitsipas did in uh, Monte Carlo last year. I know we're talking about different surfaces, but then also at the French Open as well. I think we've now got a year of, we had a three or four months of not good stuff, but we've still got seven or eight months of really good stuff. I actually just think that, that Sitsipas is playing better City Plus played better yesterday or whatever it was for you, probably than he did even against Nadal. Don't forget in the first two sets against Nadal, he struggled. 
But I know what you mean, Ben. I think you're talking about fitness levels. I don't see it being a a thing. I see two players super fit, super at the top of their game. I think if one or both had had um, grueling build-ups, if you like, I, I'm more worried, for example, about Nadal with 35 years of age and uh, a four sets against Kachinov, an unbelievably grueling tiebreak tie against Manorino, which bearing in mind a tiebreak like that of half an hour, that's more than a set. That's because you're with a normally you would get a couple of minutes break every couple of games, of course, whereas you don't get that in a grueling tie break like that. So I don't see that. If Med wins the Australian Open, he's on 10,000. Djokovic, yeah, um, I'm not quite sure how that that goes. I heard that there's a chance that Medvedev could overtake Djokovic by the end of February. Let me know what you think of that in the in the live chat. Anyway, cut a long story short, regarding their health and their fitness, regarding that semi-final, I don't think uh, the match today that Medvedev had will be a factor uh, against City Pass. And it might not need to be in particular. If, it, if, it, if it's four sets or three sets, whatever way it goes, probably won't be a factor. But I see both of them uh, at a young enough age and in good good health. It's not like we've seen one or both of them struggle at one point during the tournament where they needed to get oxygen or go off the court and have a medical timeout. Um, I would have been more concerned for Felix, if you like, with that ankle injury that we saw towards the end of the fifth set today. Okay, City Pass, hell of a chance. What difference a day makes, put it that way. Uh, let's move on to the women. First of all, let's begin with Daniel Collins against Alice Cornet. I heard uh, JG when you were doing the live watch along uh, last night, as it was for me at the time, suggesting that maybe Alice Cornet has got to the limit of her level um, in this tournament, that she was kind of maybe overcome by just someone who was a much better player. I'll let you have a quick look at the stats. I'll then give you my take on the match. Uh, in the meantime, cheers. Also, let me know in the live chat how to say cheers in Hungarian. I might need it. Okay. Uh, so Daniel Collins, Alice Cornet. I, I predicted Collins would win this match. Not the most difficult prediction in my my life, I will say. I know some people went for Alice Cornet, including, I think, JG. But JG probably did go with his heart more than his head. All the evidence that I had seen throughout their careers so far suggested that Collins would win. I think her seeding or, uh, of number 27 in the world doesn't do her quite the justice. I think she's obviously had problems with the illnesses that she's had in the last year or so. Um, but her, when she's on fire, boy, is she a great player. When she's on fire, she could win this tournament. She could hit through an Ash Barty, even a, a Swan check, for example. And boy, that's going to be an amazing semi-final when that happens. As we can see here, the winners count. No great surprise. Collins more than double the number of uh, winners of Cornet. Yes, there were some unforced errors off her racket, but she was the far more aggressive player and was just just better in pretty much every department. No shame for Cornet. She's had a great tournament. Um, but all I've got to say really about this match is, boy, am I looking forward to Daniel Collins against Igor Swanchek. Swanchek again, was very good. There was a few hiccups on the way to this victory, as you can see from the uh, result. Oh, by the way, definitely um, fire away with your questions regarding uh, Collins. Fatima St. Prost, yes, which is the German one. Uh, Eduardo, Igor was serving a little bit dodgy today. Yeah, at times, at times. Uh, we can come to that. Any questions regarding Collins? Okay, uh, Gary St. Uh, Saint Laurent. Uh, Collins has one speed, which is high speed. Absolutely. It's it's attempted winner after attempted winner after attempted winner. It's part of the reason I'm looking very much forward to the match against Swanchek. Um, okay, quickly, any more points? If Collins wins the semis, is that her first ever Grand Slam final? To the best of my knowledge, yes. Uh, I'm sure there'll be one or two people in the chat telling me wrong, but I think Collins has never been in a final before. Pretty sure she's had a semi-final before, but never been in a final. Um, Snehill suggesting that Collins doesn't move that well. Hmm. She only made the semi-final in Australia before. Thank you. Um, son of Ron Robin Records. I don't know who that is, but um, most of what they say in the chat doesn't really make sense to me, if I'm honest. Uh, son of Ron Rob, uh, Robin Records. The name doesn't make any sense. The predictions don't make any sense. So 
uh, from time to time, <laughs> I will be highlighting them. Uh, okay, for most of you who don't know, that is our good friend Ben. Swatchek Collins, some seriously big hitting. Exactly. Okay, let's have a quick... Ah, oh, somebody telling me how to say Hungarian cheers. This is great, by the way. What a community we have. I can just put out any question pretty much regarding any part of the world and we've got an answer. Biritos. Biritos. Let me know about my pronunciation, how good I am on that. Biritos. Cool. Collins doesn't move that well. Eagle's a great counter-attacker. Yep, good point. Um, people, if your question, I'll try and address all your questions and your points as and when I can. Um, but right now we're looking at really probably, we're looking at the women's side. So I'll, I'll probably be focusing on that. And especially the match between Iga Swanchek and Kai Canopy, because for me was an unbelievable, unbelievable match. I am having my notes, um, again, happy for you to disagree to, to, a match or a game or a sport of opinions. But I have a couple of things in my notes regarding this match. One is, was it the match of the tournament? I don't know. I th- I found it thrilling. The amount of breaks that we had throughout the match, the amount of times I thought, I think Swanchek is done here. Before the tie break at the end of the second set, I thought Canopy was going to break Swanchek and ultimately win the match in straight sets. Um, the way Swanchek turned it around was impressive. Um, I think, I think perhaps she handled the situation a little bit better, particularly towards the end of the third set. Um, I think she, she dealt with the, all sorts of factors that are going on there. The tightness of the situation, the tension, the fact that she's been there before, of course, uh, as Snehal points out, sign of a champion, um, yeah, I think I think that could have been the difference today. Um, uh, Swanchek, unbelievable spirit as well. And we're going to come to that very much in a second. Um, do we think, by the way, am I putting two and two together here and making five? Am I getting a bit carried away? Do we see that Swanchek getting to her first non-clay slam semi-final? And we see... Rafa Nadal reaching his first semi-final since 2019 at the Australian Open. Do we see something, or am I looking too deeply into this, that there is something about the dynamic of of the two players play, the way they play the game, the way that they do very well at Roland Garros? Is there anything? Because I'm hearing that the court speed is pretty fast this year, which obviously would be the opposite of a, of a clay court situation. But I'm also hearing that the speed of the courts is pretty fast as well. So... Does that help players like Nadal and Swanchek? Maybe I'm just getting carried away with the, the French Open results and putting two and two together, making five, quite possibly with that. But I think if we see Swanchek and Nadal emerging with the respective trophies on Sunday, that would be some evidence, if not compelling, that for some reason, the clay court specialist, if you like, did well at Melbourne this year. Trevon uh, in the in the house. Nice to have you on board. Admit uh, you never watched Medi versus uh, Felix. Top 10 all-time, mate. You've had a nightmare, John. Trevon, I take your criticism on board. Uh, very much uh, pleased to see it. I did watch the match. Uh, I didn't watch every set, I must admit. Um, but from actually the end of the second set, I actually watched throughout, um, despite the fact that you think my analysis was way off. Hey, listen, as I say, this sport is all about opinions and all opinions, as long as they're polite and welcome, wonderful. Uh, I have no problem with somebody saying, by the way, John, I think you're talking rubbish. Uh, that was a much better match than this match or this match or this match. And I'll tell you why. Wonderful. Uh, as long as we're enjoying the sport, I'm very happy with that. Uh, Marga Jata, by the way, and I'm guessing you're from Poland with that name, and I hopefully I've connected, uh, pronounced it right. So far in Paris and Rome, when Rafa won, Eagle won as well. Exactly. Paris and Rome as well seem to be a bit of a, I think that's a bit more of a concrete relationship there. Um, can I call it Gosha, by the way? Let me know in the chat if that's okay. Uh, I know it's the in, sort of the informal or the shortened name of Marga Jata, uh, which I know I can pronounce much better than Swanchek. Uh, yeah, so let's see if that pans out. I think probably if if we see Rafa 
and uh, Iga winning both these tournaments. We'll see a bit more. Nadal is good on fast courts. When will everybody learn? Hey, listen, I think that's a, a really a really good point. Um, and it sounds a bit contradictory. It's probably why I was a bit concerned about saying it before. But the faster the the hard courts are, if you like, the better that is for the clay court specialist that is Nadal. That's the sort of anomaly there that that kind of doesn't quite make sense, if you like, that somebody who's so good on this on the on the slower courts like like clay, especially in Rome and especially in uh Paris. And yet we've seen generally it's not much in it in terms of his win percentage, but generally he performs slightly better in New York. And most players, if not all players I hear talking about New York comparing it to Melbourne, always say that New York is even faster. Radu Khanna even said it this year. She said, how does New York compare to Melbourne? Because a lot of people say Melbourne's fast this year. She said, New York is like ice. That's how fast it is. So, yeah, maybe there's something in that. Don't know. Let's see how Rafa gets on against Berrettini on Friday. Okay, uh, let's have a quick uh, glance, though, at the point that won Swanchek this match. And in a way, it sort of lends itself towards the idea that Swanchek, in a way, was using her fighting spirit, but also was perhaps an example of Canopy not quite dealing with the, the crunch moment as well, because there were so many breaks at the beginning of this match. And in fact, Swanchek, I think, failed to serve it out. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but then it goes on to Canopy's serve, and we get this point. So here's the Canopy serve at match point, as we can see. 1540 it is here. Uh, Canopy's on the serve. Swanchek has tried to serve it out. I think Swanchek did have a mini choke, perhaps, if you like. Um, but knowing that she had the opportunity to, to still seal the occasion, if you like. And I do think, in a way, if you've got a You've got a, a cup. If you've got a break in your hand, if you've got a break advantage at this point, as Swanchek had, it's unbelievable. But look at this point. We're looking at a really good first serve here from Canopy. Swanchek is out at this point. She's done well. She's getting her racket on the ball. Fortunately for her, it lands back on, on the other side of the net and in play. But we, you all know this. Anyone who's watched tennis knows that Swanchek has lost the point. Uh-uh. Exhibit B. So, Canopy. Arguably, she could have got a bit closer, but still, look at Swanchek here. By the way, it looks like Swanchek's wearing a beret there rather than a cap. Um, a beret, of course, would be more appropriate for Paris, where she's very successful. But look at this position from Swanchek. Really struggling. How she gets the racket on the ball, I'll never know. How she manages to get it back up in the air, but she's just getting her racket on it. She's stretching and using every sinew in her bottle body. But for sure, now the point is over. And it's going to be 30-40. Uh-uh. Exhibit C. Swanchek has to go back the same way because Canopy decides to try and wrong foot her. And again. Exhibit C, absolutely stretching on this. To be honest with you, this one arguably was the most unbelievable how she actually not just managed to, despite this image. I mean, even Canopy here, perhaps their body language has suggested that she's won this point. Unbelievably, not only just uh, Swanchek managed to get a racket on it, she gets it back in play. And now she's got it back in play. We're now in a situation again, and I'm just giving you a slightly different perspective on this point, just to show you really what Canopy has to do, what she should do, what she could do. It's very easy for me to say from this standpoint, I know, rather than in, in the thick of the action. Um, but again, how do you see Swanchek winning the point from here? And with this is exhibit D, by the way. So this is the fourth example. Exhibit E is this one, <laughs> and maybe the funniest of all. We see Canopy actually goes for the right place, in a way, with this point here. She goes for this area here. Uh, Swanchek is over this side of the court, but she is anticipating that the ball will go here. 
probably it was the right thing to do. You could argue that she could go for a bit of a narrow angle angle here, but that is a bit of a trickier shot for um, Canopy to pull off. She does put it in this part of the court where she probably should go. Swanchek gambles and actually guesses right. But still, how in Exhibit E does she get to this ball? I don't know. And look where Swanchek is right now. I mean, she almost is falling over. In fact, she's almost got a lot of her body leaning back. She's about to fall over. Canopy's going to come into the net and finally win the point. But no. Perhaps. Perhaps. And perhaps I'm reading too much into this, but whatever. Perhaps. Swanchek managing not to fall over, get herself in the perfect position to at least cover large parts of this centre part of the court. Canopy then has to go wide one way or another. Unfortunately for Canopy, she goes too far wide and hits the ball out. For me, probably point of the tournament. Let me know in the chat. Let me know what you think about the point. Thank you very much, Gala, for your comment there. Love the analysis. Um, let me know what you think about the point. Let me think. You, let me know what you think about the match. Let me know if you think I'm going a bit too over the top with the point of the tournament uh, idea. Um, but for me, it it is the point of the tournament. Um, I, I think. I think what could be better. There is a. There is one thing in purest terms that would make this point better, and that's if it ends with a winner from Swanchek somehow or another. If if she'd have gone down the middle with that point and somehow Swanchek had pulled off a lob or somehow pulled off a, 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 a passing shot, well, I think we're talking about point of the decade if that happens. But um, Snail saying point of the tournament for me as well. It, I, I saw somebody disagree with me on, on Twitter. I think there was a point that Nadal did against Hatchinoff in the fourth, uh, in, to break in the fourth set. I remember that was, it was an incredible uh, point and it does end with a winner. It's just that when when you have five moments like that where it's like this point is over oh it's not this point is over and you have it five times i guess in an ideal world for it to be point of the decade they need to get the sixth one as a winner but at least until now it's great oh my gosh i just watched that point while you're explaining it eager maturing and, and becoming an all out champion she inspires me yeah guys definitely go to youtube and just it's a t it's the highlights, at least I saw, were, were 10 minutes worth. But even if you just go to nine minutes, pretty much will take take you through <laughs> that point, uh, if you like, from nine minutes onwards. It's it's an um, It was an unbelievable match as well. And hats off to Canopy. Um, I think she's had a great tournament. Hopefully she can have many more like this. Um, but yes. Omar, let's have a look at what you've got to say. Silk, I love you, man. Very kind of you. But how can you declare a point of the tournament if you have not watched all the matches? <laughs> yeah. Okay, fair enough. I haven't seen every minute of every match. For me, it was Felix and Medi today in the second set, but that may be recency bias. Well, that's true, although recency bias, not too much. We're, we're talking about the same day at the very least. So, um, yeah, perhaps there were better points in that match. I don't know. I just, I just maybe got caught up in the emotion of it all and... And the fact that it was a, it was a great match at that point, I think I think that's an interesting point regarding the Felix one. I think though, I think if if you get an amazing point as well at a crucial time, that does elevate it. I always think of the Maradona goal against England as being the greatest goal of all time for a variety of reasons. But one of the main reasons is it was the quarterfinal of a World Cup. Um, that that elevates it if you like. Um, I also think other goals are amazing. Zidane in the Champions League, but I also think, <laughs> yeah, Ben mentioning the first one that was a hand handball. Um, I also think that there's a moment in a match as well, if it's a turning point perhaps, or if it's a if it's from the one that wins the match ultimately, if it's the one, if it's in the fifth set and it's getting tight, if you like, if you see some, remember the amazing match between Federer and Nadal of 2008, some amazing points in that fifth set. And that elevated to another level because of the the anxiety, the tension, and also even the effort and energy involved in terms of where they're at physically. So I think for me being on match point, that does elevate that point to another level. 
Let me know what you think in the chat. Let me know what you think about the women's semi-finals as well that we've got on the horizon. It's going to be a quick turnaround, of course, for Swanchek and Collins, both of which played yesterday and they'll have to play again today. And that, of course, brings us to what we have coming up this evening, tomorrow morning, actually. Uh, well, both on Game to Love. We have a semi-final preview, as you can see, 10 o'clock GMT, UK time. That'll be 11 o'clock CET, 12 o'clock if you're in Athens. That'll be midnight there and also in South Africa. Let me know if you can do a quick arithmetic on what time it'll be where you are. I'm guessing it'll be 9 a.m. in Melbourne. See if you can work out what time it'll be where you are. Put out, put out in the chat what time you think this 10 p.m. show will be for you, and I'll try and highlight it for you. For me, it'll be 11 p.m. here in Budapest. And yeah, so we've got some, got the men's uh, preview coming up. Uh, Berrettini Nadal, uh, Medvedev against Sitipas. I'll let the guys go on that. So Snehel says that it'll be two, it will be 2.30 a.m. at 10 p.m. So I guess you're four, four and a half hours ahead. Um, well, well done if you get up for that. Extra hats off for you. 5 p.m., Gary. That's a nice time for you this evening. And 4 p.m. for you, Jay, in Eastern North America. That's great. You're on the East Coast there. 10 p.m. for you, Kaz. That's nice. You're obviously in the UK, I guess. Although you could be elsewhere. You could be in Lisbon as well, actually. But um, yeah, so I'll give you a quick thought what I think, but I'll let JG and uh, Ben elaborate more on that. Um, I'm going Berrettini. And I'm going Berrettini, uh, I think it's 60-40 over Nadal. I'm going Berrettini for a few reasons. I, I think... Uh, if this was Clay, if this was Roland Garros, I'd be going for Nadal pretty much every day of the week, despite the fact that I think Berrettini is pretty good on Clay. But I'm going Berrettini for a few reasons. Um, the record that they have against each other is 2-0 in Rafa's favour. But one of those, and the most significant of those, was the the US Open of 2019. Also a 7... Uh, uh, no, I'm in the UK, Johnny. I, I thought you might be, Cass. Um, yeah, just because uh, that was 2019, I think Berrettini's better now. I think he was on a hot streak at the time at that US Open, but I think he's a better player now. I also think the physical side thing might come into it. Rafa probably has to win this in three, maximum four sets. Can Rafa find the backhand of Berrettini? And even if he does find that backhand, I think Berrettini's backhand, at least in the last couple of matches, was actually not too bad, considering that's his weak point. So I make Berrettini's slight favourite. You can make arguments for both players, just like the Shapovalov match. Although on the Shapovalov one, I was more 50-50. This one, I just see Berrettini edging it. Could be wrong. Let's see how that pans out. Medvedev Sitsipas, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn because 48 hours ago, I would have said Medvedev. But now, I'm going to go Sitsipas. I'm going Sitsipas in five sets. How about that? Probably wrong. Please don't rush down to your bookmakers to go put money on Berrettini and Sitsipas to make the final. Uh, but that's how I see it. I have my reasons, but I'll be interested to see what you have to think. Uh, Frey saying he hopes I'm right. Um, Trishen saying if Rafa wins this, he'll win the French Open as well, which will be an incredible start to the year for the uh, Mallorcan. Yeah, let's see how that pans out. Sounds exciting. Over to the women's semifinals. We'll have a show on at Hubbard's 10 this evening. Again, do your rhythmic see what time it is. The latest silver silver put all time, it's 3 a.m. here. <laughs> yeah, I um I had to I had to fly this afternoon. I managed to catch the last, as I say, the last uh, sets or the last couple of sets of the um the Monfils match. I caught them at the airport. Uh, it sort of worked quite well in that respect, but I was boarding at the time of the of the match point, but I managed to finish. I was thinking if this goes to a tiebreak, I'm not gonna see it. But as a result, I couldn't do uh, this match until this evening. John looks like he's slowly morphing into Rafa. Yeah, yeah. You wait till you see my forehand, my friend. You wait till you see that. And you're going to be going, this is better than Rafa. Okay, cool. So, uh, women's semifinals. I'm going to have a quick uh, thoughts on those. Uh, we'll be covering those as well tomorrow morning, as you can see. Uh, uh, UK time, 8.30 a.m., Barty Keys, and then that'll be followed by Swanchek Collins, provisionally 10 a.m., but obviously it depends on how quick Barty Keys goes. I'm going Barty. I predicted her to win the tournament. I see nothing so far to change my mind on that. Swanchek Collins is more tricky 
I think, because both are incredible players and both, you know, very good. I just wonder if Swanchek might just get over the line mentality-wise. Yeah, somebody's saying an Igabati final. I'm saying the same. But it's it's really tricky, tricky to predict that second semi-final in particular. Okay, so that's what we've got coming up. Those are my predictions. Let me know what you think in the chat. Uh, we'll go to our last screen here, which is just to remind you as well that on Friday morning, we'll have Nadal Berrettini as well. 3.30 a.m. UK time. Hopefully that'll be more favorable for you if you're in different parts of the world. Um, that should, if I'm right, should start on time because there may be a doubles match before it on um, on Rod Laver, but it won't be probably much later than that. Uh, you'll then have at 8.30 a.m., which again should be pretty much on time because of the five-hour gap between those two matches. Um, so we've obviously got Nadal again in the afternoon and uh, against Berrettini. Let's see how the weather is. I heard one or two people suggesting it might even rain, so the roof might be closed, uh, which has all sorts of ramifications as well, some of which are negative for Nadal, but at least he won't have the heat issue he had the other day. If it doesn't rain, it stays dry. That's good because the roof will be open for Nadal, but we don't want it to be too hot. Um, there's so many permutations, but but ultimately, as I say, I have uh, Berrettini emerging from that. Uh, Medvedev City Pass uh, on 8.30, so make sure you tune in for that. Just consults notes to see if I have missed anything. No. I think that's it. It's been great having you on board. Great having you uh, uh, comments in the chat. Great having your opinions. And I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow on The Silk Report. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.